Hello, and welcome to the How to Get an Analytics Job podcast. My name is John David Arianson, and I'm your host. I'm what you would call a practicing professor. I have years of experience consulting in the analytics industry, and I have years of experience teaching analytics in the classroom at Greensboro College. This podcast is an ecosystem that I developed for my students so that they could get world-class career advice from leading analytics experts. To date, my students have got to ask questions directly to analysts and data scientists from Amazon, Apple, and Google. They've even got to talk directly to CEOs, CMOs, and presidents of companies who have been former clients of mine to get insights on how senior managers use data to drive their business decisions. If you're interested in becoming one of my students, check the links in the description down below. I'm currently offering two programs. One is a one-month career services program, and the other is an analytics apprenticeship program associated with Greensboro College. In both of those programs, we take a three-tiered hybrid approach. So you'll have access to pre-recorded asynchronous lectures, live group lectures in a cohort setting, and one-on-one coaching with experts in the analytics space. On average, our students are gaining about a $16,000 pay increase going through the program. On the high end, we've actually helped someone achieve a $54,000 pay increase. This means that on average, our students are recouping their investment between one to two months of landing their job. So if you're ready to take your career to the next level, click the links in the description and apply for our program. I would love to get to work with you. With all that being said, I hope you enjoy this podcast episode. podcast. So we've got a very special guest, someone we've been working with for, what, a little under three months at this point. Yeah. So let me intro Abby here. So Abby's been um, our student that enrolled, I think, in the second week of January in our career services program. Mm -hmm. And you have been a stay-at-home parent for 13 years. And what, two weeks ago, you got two offers, one of which Mm -hmm. you accepted, and you were starting on Monday as a full-time data analyst. Yes. Awesome. So I'm, I'm really sure, excited. yeah, I'm sure our audience would like to hear all about, you know, kind of that journey and kind of, you know, what were your major struggles? What tactics did you deploy? So I guess let's start off the episode with, so just kind of, can you walk us through this journey? Yeah. So I've been a stay at home mom uh, for a while. Uh, <clears throat> I've done some part-time work during that time. Like I'd been a secretary, I'd been an event coordinator for my kid's school. Um, I'd done some content writing for a website, um, and also did marketing and ad sales for that website. So I, I'd done some things, uh, but every like part-time job I had, I always kind of veered towards the analytical side of things, like working in Excel, uh, doing bookkeeping, using the Google Analytics for the ad sales, things like that. And it was something I was interested in. I just didn't know um, if I could do it. So uh, last year, we had made a move. We had moved states, and I had a little extra time 
Uh, and so I started the Google Analytics course. Uh, and it, it was a it was a good course. Um. <laughs> <laughs> what you're saying and the tone are discongruent. What, okay. I've, what I've heard is that the Google Analytics course is a, it's like an appetizer. Exactly. Like once, and I've found creators on TikTok like Annie Nelson and Charlotte Chaz who are kind of showing their journey. Uh, and that really kind of helped me watching them go on their pursuit of data analytics. Um, and the Google course is kind of like an appetizer. Like it kind of showed me mm-hmm. the process, but it didn't go in depth in anything. So right. after that, I started doing more in-depth courses and I had, so I had like my soft skills that I'd learned, you know, I mean, you learn soft skills as a say, oh, mom, you, it's like negotiating with terrorists. Right. <laughs> um, <laughs> so you learn how to explain things to people, multitasking, and then those part-time jobs really worked on those soft skills as well. And then I'd gotten all my technical skills. I used DataCamp. I used um, Coursera. Uh, and, but I kind of couldn't put all those pieces together. I wasn't, I didn't know how to use LinkedIn. I did only mm-hmm. have like 50 connections on LinkedIn. Well, I just checked your LinkedIn. You're at what? 4,400 at this point. Yeah. yeah. It's amazing. That's been in like the, <laughs> the couple of months that we work together. Right. Um, and that, that's been a lot of fun. That's been fun because I've had people say, oh, your posts have really helped and I've learned stuff. And like, that is amazing to me because uh, I'm just sharing what I'm doing and going through and it's helpful. So this is interesting because, so you're the first cohort that we brought Ian Clausewitz on mm-hmm. to, to do the, the um, social media brand coaching. And what we learned from that is that getting that positive reinforcement from the world in LinkedIn has been, I think that from a psychological, emotional level, reinforces this new identity. Because now you have people asking you career advice, right? Yeah, <laughs> I do. It's weird, but fun. Yeah, uh, yeah that pause, like I kind of need that immediate uh, it, reinforcement. Right. Um, so, you know, a course takes you a long time to get through and get a certification. Um, it takes a while to get a job to get that validation that you are an analyst. But every day you get on LinkedIn and you post and you have this community around you asking you questions. Um, it it really makes a difference. Yeah. And it's I, I think uh, feedback on this last cohort, I think. um we got overfixated on LinkedIn. I feel like people were <laughs> optimizing on, they were more concerned about, okay, my last post didn't have as much engagements as my last three right. versus building the skills. So I think we're, we're still trying to find a, find a balance to where you guys had a weekly um, touch base with Ian. I think we may mm-hmm. scale that back to just one and then have him mm-hmm. um, in the group chat, you know, critiquing. Yeah, but- that makes sense. I did kind of get a little obsessed with the numbers, <laughs> but, uh, because it's fun. It's, it's interesting to see people from other countries and what they're doing and, uh, their journeys. So, um, the, the LinkedIn as- aspect was super helpful because the recruiter that got me my interview for both offers found me through LinkedIn and, yeah. If I hadn't learned how to optimize my LinkedIn and network, I mean, I wouldn't have a job right now. So um, mm-hmm. as much as social media can be 
a bad thing, it really can be a great tool as well. Well, it's funny because I had the opposite effect, if I'm being honest, to where um, I took Ian's advice and Ian actually coached me through it. Mm-hmm. But I, every time I would post, I would have five or six people saying, you're wrong about this, this, and this. And I don't know if it's because like I'm in a position of authority and it's like yeah. people think they can take me out because um, it negatively affected my mental health. Oh. So I've like kind of pulled back from it, mm-hmm. but it seems like it's a great, you know, identity reinforcer for mm-hmm. our students because it seems like people are overwhelmingly supportive of new people trying to break into the space Yeah. versus it's a lot harsher when it's like you're a professor and they're like, well, actually right. you said this and it's, it, and I just, I was getting that at scale. So it's like with LinkedIn, you got to be cognizant of their goal is to get as much content and eyes so that they mm-hmm. can sell ads. And what I think you've done is you've kind of played the system to your own benefit. It's almost like credit cards, you know, like, like, like if you take out $500 credit card debt and pay it down at the end of the month, you know, you get that free flight. But if you don't pay it back, then they're charging you 26% interest. Mm -hmm. And then they're, you know, kind of playing you to where that's one thing that I just want to kind of check in with about, you know, the people who are listening, who are like, Oh, I'm just going to get on LinkedIn and it's going to work out. It's like, you got to be, a little bit methodical about how you approach it. Right. Definitely. And there have been some comments maybe kind of disagreeing with things that I've posted. I usually go, oh, that's a great point and move on. Uh, but they haven't, yeah. it hasn't been a lot. So it hasn't really affected me. So um, hopefully that doesn't happen or I'll, I don't know what I would do. <laughs> okay. So to, to recap kind of, you started kind of, heading in this way a year before you kind of came through our cohort. Right. So um, what do you think is, is, is the difference of what, what you've been doing this year versus what you weren't doing, you know, before you came through the cohort? So I think what changed a lot with uh, coming through the cohort was my mindset, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, the first time we met, you were like, so tell me about yourself. And I was like, well, I'm a mom, you know, like that's who I was and that's who I'd been for so long. Uh, but after the cohort, I go into my interviews and they're like, tell me about yourself. And I'm like, Oh, I'm a, I'm a data analyst, you know? Um, and even there was a event, uh, my daughter was interested in extracurricular and I had to go and they were asking the parents like, well, what do you do? And I got to go, Oh, I'm a data analyst, you know, like, (laughs) and look at you, you were just glowing. You, you love that, that it's like, you've, you've got this like new identity that is interesting and you care about. And it's also, I mean, it's economically viable. Like you're making money doing that. Absolutely. And that's important with their kids. (laughs) Um, but I, um, I love to learn. And the thing about this field is there's always something to learn. Like even though I've gotten a job, I've still got plenty of things that I can keep studying and learning. And I think that's what is exciting the most exciting. Yeah. Well, that's something I tell my students is that you, everyone's got it backwards. They think they go to school to learn. It's like, no, you go to school to get ready to start learning, especially in a career like analytics. It's like, mm-hmm. no, we're just getting you ready to the, get to the starting line because when you get into a role, it's like you've got to hit deadlines. You've got to understand these complex topics. You've got to, you know, learn this tool so you can do your job. And it's not like you can just sit in the back of the classroom and kind of doze off. It's like, no, this is this is, you know, sink or swim to some extent. Right. 
And that's that's what's so exciting about that's it. That's so cool. Um, but I think back to what changed was my mindset, right? So now, like, now when I'm interviewed, I can, I'm more confident in what I've learned and who I am. And even taking my resume and, and the work that you and Katie did with me for my resume, I mean, really highlighted more of the things that I accomplished in the roles that I'd had and not just like some word vomit of, <laughs> you know, buzzwords. Yeah. Well, I think adding, so for those of you who are listening, so Katie Underwood has recently joined the team as well. And she's currently working as an analytics manager in the Raleigh Durham area. So she's got a master's degree in analytics is I think 13 years into her career at this point has built out an entire team. Um, what's interesting about her is that she's come from huge, the huge companies. So like Lincoln Financial and is on the operation side to where I work with mostly startups or smaller companies on the sales and marketing side. So she's kind of like my foil. But also, too, I think um, probably talking to her gives you some insight into I, I don't know what it's like to be a woman in the workforce. Mm-hmm. So, like, I feel like maybe you could relate to her and get some advice that, like, I just I can't give you because I don't I don't have that perspective. Right. And and I did. I, I talked with Katie um, and asked her about being a mom in the workforce. And because I was making it into like this huge thing uh, that it didn't have to be. <laughs> Sorry, my hair. Right. Um, <laughs> I was making it into this huge thing that it have to be. And she's like, I think I think that's just just you. Like, <laughs> right. that's a you problem. So um, I had a real Taylor Swift moment. Wow. Well, I mean, she's so impressed. I'm so impressed by her. I mean, she's supporting a, a whole family of five. Like her husband yeah. is a stay-at-home dad. That's so amazing. like she is, yeah. And it, I think she's a great role model, especially for our, mm-hmm. our female students. Because I, Absolutely. you know, I, I I can't be that person. I mean, yeah. I guess I can kind of. Like I, I've, <laughs> I've got some things I can teach, but um, it's just kind of a different climate. Also, one of the things that I've noticed huge about you from like, and this is something that I, I got to see you slowly come out of is that when we would do mock interviews, like at the beginning, or even in that first call we had, mm-hmm. you you would like overshare things about yourself. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, I was like, okay, Abby, don't lead with, Hey, I feel uncomfortable or, Hey, I don't, you know, I haven't done this full time or whatever. Right. I'm like, no, own what you're doing. So instead of saying, you know, I haven't worked full time as an analyst, you're like, well, I've studied this. I know, I know SQL. I know Python. I've worked on these mm-hmm. case studies. Um, and just the, t- how you're interviewing, I think has probably come a huge way. Right. Absolutely. And I couldn't have done that without the career services course, because you're right. I did come into it very kind of timid, like, well, I've worked in Excel, but it wasn't a lot. I didn't do a lot. And well, I've managed projects, but you know, it was just projects for kids. It wasn't much. So, but now when I go into an interview, it's like, yes, I've worked in Excel. Um, I've automated some processes. Um, I organized community service projects, uh, you know, much more confident. And that's important, uh, especially with finding a job. Because, I mean, you're not going to go into a job interview and be timid and unsure about yourself and then want to hire you. So, right. um, yeah, you got to sell yourself. Part. Yeah, exactly. Right. So. All right. So we got a question from Noel coming in here. So um, question for both regarding LinkedIn is it poor form to call yourself a data analyst on LinkedIn before you get a job as a data analyst? Um, he said that he noticed that you did this, Abigail. Mm-hmm. Um, what was the reason for this? Well, um, like I said, I needed to um, change my mindset of how I was thinking of myself. 
Um, I have used the tools. I can use Excel, SQL, Python, Tableau, Power BI. I am an analyst, whether I've been uh, paid for those services yet or not. And I was doing some freelance work and it wasn't necessarily paid freelance work. It was just so I could get myself, get my hands on some real world uh, data. Um, but I think that's part of your mindset. Like, Absolutely don't, don't go on there, go on LinkedIn and say, I'm an aspiring analyst. No, if you use these tools, you're an analyst. So put that on there. Right. Um, it, that was my reasoning and, and why. Uh, yeah, I absolutely agree. I think that um, you don't have to wait for the world to say, you know, we deem you like exactly. you, you can have some internal control of, mm-hmm. hey, I have used an analyst. The question or the way to frame this up, I think, is. Have you used a tool to drive something that has had economic impact? Mm -hmm. If the answer is yes, which I mean, even like kids these days are using data on like TikTok to see which posts you're functionally speaking a data analyst in that because you're getting more engagement, which then could lead to, I don't know, monetization on TikTok. I have no idea about how all (laughs) that works because I'm starting to feel like a boomer. I'm starting to feel older (laughs) and older. (laughs) <laughs> where no. we, we started dipping our toe a little bit into TikTok, but um, I love TikTok. Uh, TikTok is is it's awesome. It is awesome, but it is also like crack. Like it is just That's very, funny. very. It just hijacks my attention so, oh, yeah. so effectively well. Mm. But yeah, so um, Noel, to to kind of reiterate that that comment, yeah, I your LinkedIn page is your professional landing page. So mm-hmm. when you apply for a job or you have uh, a recruiter that reaches out to you, they're going to go and Abby, this is a testament to you and the personal brand that you've built. That mm-hmm. recruiter saw your profile and said, Hey, I can place this person in analyst. So yeah. you got to think about what the game that recruiters are playing. They have a role to fill and they're not going to waste their time mm-hmm. on someone that they don't think would actually pass through the interview. So I would not only put data analysts on there, but also put the tools that you're studying, build a portfolio. And mm-hmm. then you can even start taking on like, like, cause Abby, what you put was data analyst freelance. And I think mm-hmm. you said like the last nine months you've been doing that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, I mean, that is not ethically bad to do that, especially no. if you're actually doing the work. Right. Now, yeah. Now, if you put some fake company and then you like, <laughs> you know, said, here, right. call this number. It's the CEO and it's your, your friend like that's right. that's you're getting into like, OK, that is actively deceptive. Right. But like if you were able because also, too, I'm sure they asked you about that. Like if if you're in the interview and, and they see, you know, they went to your LinkedIn page and saw freelance, like mm-hmm. you would have to talk about some of that project, some of those projects. Exactly. And, and I did. You, yeah, and you'd be found out if it was like completely nonsense. Right. Or made right. up. Okay, so here here's just a series of questions that I was curious about. Okay. So did you get any interviews from jobs that you applied for or was it all coming from the recruiters that you connected with? We're going to take a quick pause from the episode so that I can give you some more information about our career services program. Over the last four years, I have developed a very effective approach to teaching the foundations of analytics. 
And I've taken that same curriculum from my case studies and business analytics class at Greensboro College and turned it into a career services program. So if you've ever thought to yourself as you're listening to this podcast, man, John David students are really lucky. You can have a very similar experience to them. Just check the link in the description down below. My career services program offers you an analytics foundations curriculum. So this will shore up any gaps in knowledge that you might have in landing either a promotion or maybe even your very first analytics job. And then you get to work one-on-one with me to help build your personal brand. So we will look at your resume and also help you develop a customized portfolio. All right, let's get back to the episode. It was mostly from the recruiters. Um, I did not have a lot of luck with just applying for myself uh, through LinkedIn. Um, I did get a couple of emails back from uh, a couple of Indeed applications I did. Um, But for the most part, it was the recruiters that found So how many applications do you think you sent out? Uh, Over a thousand. Uh, Over a thousand. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So there was a there was a minute where we were Amanda found Civium, which is like it automates the process. Yes. But um, those were just scam jobs. And also, too, you got to be careful with Civium because I think it violates the um, code of conduct or, you know, agreement yeah. use policy for LinkedIn. Well, I, I did try it. Uh, and that's how I got to that number a thousand really quickly. But it didn't have great. Um, control over what a job they applied for. Like I was always only looking for remote work, Um, Mm -hmm. but Civium didn't care. They applied to everything. And even, you know, I was looking for associate or junior analysts, you know, entry level. And it was applying to like senior level jobs. And so I was getting emails like, we've looked at your qualifications. You don't meet the qualifications. And I'm like, Oh God, <laughs> even people were like, please read the description before you apply. Right. So I turned that off rather quickly. <laughs> yeah. Well, cause what the worst case scenario is that, especially since you built this following is that, right. you know, they find that there's this it, API or something that's hooked up to it and then they just mm-hmm. delete your account. And then yeah. all of that, cause you, you've got an asset now with your LinkedIn profile so like now you can if you want to you can start to continue to kind of blog or journal about Mm -hmm. your experience and then maybe a year or two from now you might have another recruiter reach out to you for your promotion yeah that'd be cool yeah you've got like a path forward there yeah and i do plan on continuing to post and grow it because you know i do have that background in content creation and I do enjoy um, writing and putting things on there. So I think it's a good outlet. I'll probably definitely keep it going. Yeah. Well, it's a, it's a confidence booster is the thing that I've, I, you know, all, all the students, not, not every one of our students in the cohort, like really, you know, decided to go full bore into LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. Um, but the ones that did like, um, like it's like Drew and Diane have, really big yeah, followings right now i think too. i think drew just broke ten thousand. he did followers. it's awesome yeah. yeah so yeah so it's it's really interesting kind of how all of this works um also too okay can you walk us through you don't have to talk about the company that you're going to be working with but mm-hmm. what was the interview process like for most of these interviews that you went on um well i had a really cool interview with a startup um I just didn't have enough experience to continue with that one. 
um, they really like just looked at my LinkedIn and were like, yeah, we know you've got the, the technical skills. Can you just, we just want to see if you're a good fit for the culture. Um, and I really enjoyed talking with them. Uh, the interviews with the job that I just accepted and the offer that I accepted were just one step interviews. So there was no technical test. Um, it was literally just like a video or phone interview. And by the afternoon I had offers. So wow. it was a, it was a really quick process and I really appreciated that. Yeah. Um, because I was hearing horror stories of like six part interviews. Yeah. Diane, I think had two six part <clears throat> interviews Yeah. and then, and then it didn't lead to an offer, which is, that feels like disrespectful of the candidates at it that really point. Does. Like we're going to, we're going to spend this much time and energy vetting you. And I think that's, that's pretty much a red flag. Um, yeah. Like if they're going to have this many to where I guess probably what that signals is that they, they don't really know what they want. Mm -hmm. Oh, look, look who it is. Drew's popping up in the chat. So he did break 10,000 and did. next is 20,000. Awesome. <laughs> he's, he's on his way. Um, okay. So you got two offers, what last week, mm, the week before the week, the week before, mm -hmm. what yeah. was the other interview process? Like, was that a three-step or was that the one, a one-step process one as step. well? One-step process. Oh, interesting. Yeah. And then, well, what, what were the titles for this? Cause one, one thing that, um, I'm, I'm starting to like really explore. It's interesting how this is, this scales in that mm -hmm. because I have my students who are going out and interviewing that, you know, it's like in the cohort, I don't know, there's probably been 20, 30 interviews over the last two months. So I get to kind of observe what my students are going through. And um, it seems like the f easiest jump into the space is probably a data analyst title mm -hmm. to where Amanda was interested in data engineering. And I think that that is more like a data science role where you typically work for a year or two as a data analyst get yeah. that experience under your belt, get experience working with tools and real data, mm -hmm. and then pivot into one of those roles. Yeah. And I find those roles interesting too, but I'm really happy. Uh, like I like the visualization and that stuff too. So I, I don't know. We'll see. But uh, the title that I have for the job I ex accepted is um, reporting analyst. I'll be in okay. the, H the HR department. It's like a human capital management type type deal okay um, and go ahead and another job I was going to interview for and it was I mean like they wanted me to have SQL and Excel but the, the title for that was just report writer so interesting yeah okay um so what were the major challenges that you ran into throughout this process hmm Personally, uh, the hurry up and wait part. <laughs> um, yeah. I'm not good at that. Uh, let's see. Just, it really all came down to mindset for me. Really? After being uh, at home for 13 years, just changing how I thought of myself and presenting myself to people. Like, that was the biggest challenge. I, um, because, like, Technical skills, you can learn those. You can practice those. Right. Uh, but just your mindset of who you are and how you present yourself was the biggest challenge for me. Did you Now, did you do any coaching calls with Katie on, on that specific? Um, um, I did like a mock 
interview, go over my resume type couple of calls with her. And she did look at my portfolio. Um, but yeah, talking with her really helped since she is, you know, coming from that space of being a mom. Do you, do you remember any of the advice that she gave you during that call? Uh, yeah. Um, you know, I was being really timid about uh, what I would call myself. And she's like, if you have touched any of these tools, you are an analyst. You are. Yeah. So <laughs> that, I mean, that's all I needed to hear. I'm going to take that and run with it. That's who I am. So Yeah, that's true. And I, and I guess the combination of having people that you, that are established and you respect in the space mm -hmm. telling you that, and then going out, posting on LinkedIn and getting that reinforcement, it like yeah. really helped kind of right. transition that, that identity that you, you've had of, you know, who am I and what do I do Right. to where now you're, do, do you know what specific tool you're going to be using starting next week? Um, Tableau, okay. which I'm super excited about. Yeah. Um, you know, I took the Google cert and I thought I knew Tableau, but then I hopped on Maven's, um, course and i was like oh my gosh i've been doing everything the hard way for no good reason yeah <laughs> so, i saw your post about that on linkedin yeah, like a day or two ago very true like i was amazed because i kind of liked power bi and how when you create the charts and things it goes straight onto the dashboard right you don't mm -hmm. like because in tableau you create sheets and then you put them on the dashboard and i was having right. a lot of trouble with that but after taking this course on Maven, I was like, oh, well, I was making it too hard. That's why it, it seemed that way. Oh, uh, interesting. Yeah. Yeah, that's 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 how I got my start in the analytics space is doing Tableau work. And then I identified okay. kind of for a year, like, I don't know, maybe two or three years. It's like a Tableau specialist. Oh. Um, but then I've, I've kind of branched out into just more general analytics and, and more so kind of on the career services and mm -hmm. And the, the teaching front, but um, yeah, that that is really interesting. About so they didn't ask you any Tableau questions in the in the interview. Did um, they see your portfolio? Yes, they had looked at my portfolio. Okay, and uh, I mean there were a couple of questions. I mean because they use Tableau in their department, but the company has access to Power BI because it's like a Microsoft company they use mostly Microsoft products. Mm -hmm. So um, they were thinking about making that switch. And so they asked, you know, which I preferred and how much I've used both and, and that kind of thing, but nothing super technical. Yeah. What, what I've heard a lot of companies are doing right now is they'll have power BI for reporting and then they'll do exploratory, more advanced analysis in Tableau. Yeah. I mean, that, that could be the direction uh, yeah. it'll be in, I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> yeah. That does sound really, really fun. So I'm, I'm curious, what do you have like one or two pieces of advice? Like what would be your biggest advice to somebody who is going and trying to make this transition? Um, <clears throat> there are great resources on YouTube. You do not have to spend a ton of money to take courses, um, and collect certifications to pursue this mm -hmm. um, and to um, just work with, surround yourself with people who um, are in the analytics space. So even if it's just like joining a group on LinkedIn or um, before I was knew how to use LinkedIn, I was on Reddit a lot in their data analysis subreddit. 
they're super, super helpful people. <laughs> oh, interesting. Um, yeah. If Are I you like talking about like the, the R analytics or R data analytics subreddit? Mm -hmm. I am, yeah. And in fact, a few times I put in questions for stuff, I would search in the group and uh, your course would pop up. Oh, interesting. It was, cool. it was funny because when this is kind of a full circle deal, when I first decided to start pursuing this, I went to my podcast app and I typed in how to get a job in analytics <laughs> and your podcast popped up and I listened to it while I made dinner for like a long time. And then, um, you know, as I was taking courses and things like that, and then when I have questions, I go into Reddit and I would search and your courses would pop up. And so, <laughs> uh, finally, I had gotten a couple of interviews in like January or December, November, maybe. Mm -hmm. And um, I was finally, I was like, if I don't get an offer for this job, <laughs> I'm just going to sign up for the course. <laughs> so yeah. it was like that afternoon that I got the no thank you. I messaged you, messaged you on LinkedIn about your course. So uh, yeah, your podcast has been a part a big part of my well also journey. too i just want to say thank you like it's come full circle now i mean mm -hmm. that's got to be a little bit trippy that yeah it is really now, weird because I, I started having that where i was watching a netflix documentary and one of my podcast guests showed up on it it was oh, wow. um the tinder swindler i think or, or something I, no it was the one about the um gamestop like one of one of the podcast guests actually was turned in she pivoted from analytics into um making content about like you know um gamestop stocks and that kind of stuff and then he showed up and i was like it's weird that like you're starting to break down and you can actually yeah. interact it, it's almost like going on like cnn or like fox yeah. news or some like big thing to where yes it's, it's all becoming kind of distributed but yeah it, it's it is interesting that it doesn't seem like what's holding most people back is skills and technical skills. Mm -hmm. It is, how are you interviewing? How are you communicating mm -hmm. to where I'm curious, like how did those interviews go before you went through the program? They were probably a lot like that first call that we had. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's so funny because it's like so obvious once you like, when, mm -hmm. once you have a coaching call and I'm like, Hey, listen, I asked you, tell me about yourself. And then, you, you, I didn't, I asked you how tell me about yourself, not tell me the bad things about yourself. Right. Exactly. <laughs> and you're like, and you're like, well, I don't know this. I don't know yeah. that. I don't know um, to where I think it comes from a good place though. With you, I think you're very honest and you didn't want to, you know, deceive anybody, but right. at, you were over leaning into that to where, right. you know, you can take up a little bit more space and, you know, people aren't going to be like, Oh, you're a fraud. You know, they're not, they're, yeah. they're not going to like figure you out and then kick you out of the, the interview. Yeah. But that was my fear. <laughs> but you had already connected to recruiters before the program, right? Or, or mm -hmm. was the recruiter that landed the job? Was this from the recruiter you met in, in January or February? Yes. Uh, January. I think it was January. It had to be early in the year or at least December at the, how, at the earliest. And how does that work? Because thank you so much. You've already sent a lead about a Starbucks contract to mm -hmm. the group that yeah. you can't take because you've already taken an <laughs> offer, which mm -hmm. I, I love is, is I think that is going to happen more and more for our program 
to our yeah. students who are alumni who are already in jobs are going to get other opportunities come their way and then they can just give it back to the group which is thank you so much uh, th yeah. that that is ex exceedingly kind but how did it how did you go about building that relationship with that recruiter because it's you got two offers from one recruiter right Mm -hmm. Well, actually, this particular recruiter that I think it was in December, uh, right before I started the course, um, she was super nice. Uh, and I've heard some horror stories about recruiters, but um, we connected. She got me maybe. No, I didn't get any interviews to begin with. Um, but she just kept finding me roles for months. We were talking back and forth. Interesting. And she was putting my names in my name in for multiple roles a week. Um, the most feedback we would get from account managers was she doesn't have enough experience. She doesn't have enough experience. Um, until finally, um, I think it's when I came to you and Katie and asked, like, how do I really showcase my Excel skills on my resume? Because uh, one job in particular really wanted someone with a lot of Excel knowledge. Mm -hmm. And uh, once I did that, um, I ended up getting the two interviews and then um, they were one step interviews and I got two offers in one day. Interesting. So, but I talked with this recruiter for months. She was just super helpful and really willing to find um, a job willing to interview me. Um, so did she interview you though? Or did, was this just like back and forth via text? Um, we she would call every now and then, and especially the first call, um, she called and asked me a lot of questions about my experience and the technical skills that I had. Mm -hmm. And then from there, and I sent her my resume, and I sent her a link to my portfolio, and from there on, we would just text or email, and it would be multiple roles a week. She would put my name in for. Oh, that's that's really cool. Yeah, because yeah. one thing about recruiters is that those are long term relationships that you can build to where yeah. you you landed the job. So she gets I, I believe the, the way that it works. It, was it now is this this has to be a third party recruiter. So it's the, yes. it's not like you're so th there are different types of recruiters. There's like a, a recruiter that works for Wells Fargo. That's all they do is just place jobs for that. To where those I think are less specialized to where yeah. um, did, is all she did was just place analytics roles. I lost you. Are you there? Oh, yeah. Oh, did I cut out? Yeah. Okay. You're back now. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, where, wait, where, okay. Where did I cut out at? <laughs> uh, you're talking about a recruiter. Like if there's just one recruiter for Wells Fargo and. Right. Um, Okay, so so the uh, recruiters from a big company like that, I, mm -hmm. I believe the way that it works is that they are going to be generalists to where mm -hmm. they're tied to the company. So if they need an HR person, that person can place them. If they need a technical person, analyst or data scientist versus now was this recruiter is all she did was just placed anal analytics roles? I'm not exactly sure. Um she, we never really discussed that, but okay. she did find so many roles. So um, I imagine she had a lot of stuff to, to choose from. I've... Right. Which, I mean, that's, that is a huge opportunity right there. You mm -hmm. know, like, like once you, once you get that, that foot in the door with her. So now you're a success case. So either yeah. 
she made a big commission on you or you helped mm-hmm. her look good for her company. Yeah. Um, so that's I like, hope. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's huge right there. Okay. So circling back to LinkedIn, mm-hmm. what advice do you have for people who let's say the audience member doesn't even have a profile picture and ha- oh. doesn't have anything listed out? What, if you could go back and so you're at four, what, 4,400 followers right now. Mm-hmm. If you could go back and start over again, building that following, are there any other things that you would do different or do you just want to walk through like, like how you got, what did you, did that first post that Ian helped you make? Was that just, did that one blow up or did it like take a few of those? It did. I went from like, 200 impressions to like 13,000 with uh, Ian's help. Like it just, it was amazing. Uh, Just getting the formatting right. Um, Definitely have a photo. Absolutely. Um, People want to see your face. (laughs) Yeah. Um, To connect like a face to the name there on the screen. Uh, Also, I was really afraid to post for the first time. So I, I get that so many people are, they just don't want to put themselves mm-hmm. out there. Um, that's interesting. Are you, are you introverted? I am. That's probably why. So I'm yeah. much less hesitant to put myself out there. Yeah. Um, I mean, it just ran into where like, I'm just getting nitpicked every, almost every single post that I make. Man. Um, it's like giving advice to where um, that's starting to wear on me a little bit, but uh, yeah, I'm, I, it doesn't take it much like cognitive energy or emotional energy for me to just go make a post out in public. Right. And, and the thing is, is like, I like to write. So writing posts up isn't a big deal. It just took that first step of putting myself out there. Right. Um, and something that was helpful was like, so I'm a data analyst. So all of my posts should be filtered through that. Like, I don't need to go on there and tell people, um, that, you know, my kid won a soccer game last night. I mean, you could if you wanted to, but it's not really going to be helpful. You With LinkedIn, you, you want to be helpful. You want to give um, consumable, usable advice right. or resources. Um, it's not the type of social media for you to just put anything on. You want it to be useful. Right. It's not Facebook. Right. Exactly. Thank goodness. So, well, because what's interesting is because I've been thinking about this a lot in terms of like LinkedIn as a professional marketing tool for our students. Mm-hmm. So essentially what you're describing when you say just give like a little nugget of free, mm-hmm. like, for example, the post that performed really well is, hey, here are three free resources. And then you have to click see more and then one, two, three. Yeah. Those perform really, really well because people I just do. like free stuff and then they'll like and engage on it, but that's essentially an awareness campaign to where what you're doing is you're getting a ton of impressions. People will start following you because they just want that little dopamine hit of like, here's something free. Here's like a little bit of advice or here's like a resource I can use. It's like not really much of a financial investment, but then I think you should layer in like Drew actually did this where I think a lot of his posts are that where it's like just high level. um, Here's, here's something that's like a little free. Give me. But he recently made a post about here are the five steps I took to clean up this data source for this portfolio piece. Mm -hmm. And it didn't get very much engagement. It's interesting. It's that like the, the, the things that are like really value additive, a lot of times 
aren't the things that get the most impressions. True, but I do think one of those posts that he put on there like that, the really in-depth ones, he had a recruiter reach out. That's what I, yep. You just, <laughs> you just stole my punchline to that story. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, well, but, but no, I think that it, my understanding of like what makes building this um, kind of professional brand on LinkedIn effective is that it's almost like a marketing mix of maybe having a three to one ratio of, you know, these like huge posts that go viral and then the more boring posts that get the, that it's, it's like a quantity thing with the awareness and it's quality mm-hmm. with the much lower ones. Cause yeah, he posted right. that, that post. And then the next day a manager saw what he had listed out and was like, I need yeah. that exact skill set on this team. And it led right. to an interview. And that's awesome. Did and, you have, and, go ahead. I was going to say, just think if you never um, took the time to post on LinkedIn, like he would have missed that completely. Right. So maybe start with some of those awareness posts to Mm -hmm. kind of um, hack that dopamine hit that you get out of it. Of like, oh, this feels really good. And people are, you know, are you getting a lot of messages, by the way? Yes, Um, I am. But they're... um, Because I listed myself as a freelance... uh, analyst, which is true. Um, I'm having a lot of people asking for jobs and I'm, you know, I can't, I can't give people jobs. Oh, like, yeah. Like they want you to hire them. (laughs) Yeah. Or help them find freelance jobs. And I, that's not really my skill set, So I'm not very helpful in that way, but I do get messages asking um, what, path did you take? What courses do you recommend? Um, those, and I try to answer those and give them some resources. I kind of list some free ones on YouTube and then some paid ones. And then I also recommend, uh, career services with Silvertone, um, or, or the apprenticeship. Uh, but I try to answer those, but I, I can't help with getting anyone a, a job. <laughs> Okay, so we just got a question from Joanna about a recruiter. Um, so jo- Joanna Sanchez is saying, hi, uh, thank you for this. Uh, do you have any tips on how to work with a recruiter? What is the way to contact them? So you actually got contacted by them, right? Right, exactly. They saw my LinkedIn and reached out. And, um, you know, there was a period of time towards, you know, we connected in December um, where, you know, the job market kind of slowed down and I didn't hear for her from her for a while, but I would still text or email and be like, Hey, have you heard anything, any opportunities this week? Um, don't, I mean, don't be afraid to, if they've kind of gone, they ghosted you for a while. Um, don't be afraid to kind of reach out and check in with them, um, to let them know that you're still interested, uh, because you never know, uh, maybe, Maybe she was on vacation. Maybe there were just no jobs. Um, but definitely try to stay in touch so they know you're still interested. Gotcha. Yeah. And so I guess in terms of like managing that relationship, you wouldn't like double tax, for example. Like if they didn't get back to you, you wouldn't be like, I need this job. I need this job. No, no, no. Right. right. You, gotta, you, you want to be professional. <laughs> <laughs> right. Because no, my wanna... gut instinct is to double tax. Like, Right. <laughs> well, okay. So let, let's talk about that a little bit about like the anxiety around, what did you call it? Hurry up and wait. Yes. Yeah. 
So, I mean, what, what was the struggle there? Like, did you, you just sent out, well, I guess, so the applications were a big miss for you. Mm-hmm. What was really the key to your success was the recruiter. So you would go on these interviews and then you would, I mean, how long, like on average, how long did it take for them? Like once you got an interview um, to hear back either a yes or a no. Wait, you, we asked your last question again. You broke up again. Oh no. Um, so, okay. You were talking about it's, it's kind of like a hurry up and go, a hurry up and wait hurry situation. Wait, yeah. So um, how long before an inter- interview would you hear back yes or no in most cases? Was it like a few weeks? Sometimes uh, never? Yeah. Um, sometimes never. There was one opportunity I was really excited about. They contacted me through email and asked me some questions. I emailed them back. Never heard from them again. Um, and for like two week, two weeks, I was like, oh, my gosh, I wish they would just let me know if they were interested, if they want me to do anything else. Um, but I never heard from them. Um, and then sometimes I would interview and it would take uh, like a week, right, to even hear back anything, good or bad. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm really bad at that process. Uh, <laughs> no, I think it's, it's when nobody's patient, like I shouldn't say nobody, but it's very hard to be patient, you know, especially Absolutely. because you're putting yourself out there and you're being a little bit vulnerable, mm-hmm. you know, cause you're being judged for, or is are you going to get this role or not? Exactly. But I think that's where LinkedIn helps because, mm-hmm. um, you might be getting some, a lot of no thank yous, a lot of no's, but if you're posting and people are finding value in what you're saying, that kind of helps you keep going so that you don't get too um, upset over the the no's and the no thank yous. Yeah. Cause I mean, it's almost like doing sales calls, you know, like, mm-hmm. like so I'm, I'm not applying for jobs, but I am selling the program. Mm-hmm. So like if I go, you know, a, get into a rut where it's like, I, you know, I get, um, you know, a few no's in a row, or just ghosted. I mean, it's, it's hard to keep up that morale. I think, yeah, yeah, I think LinkedIn is definitely a great way to kind of get some support there. Also Mm -hmm. too, like if you've got some of that, like anxiety, like that beehive of anxiety, just pour Mm -hmm. that into what skill do I not have? And yeah, just follow it right into that. Cause I mean, that's what I do when I start getting like anxious about, Mm -hmm. you know, where, where is this company going? I just pour myself into work and it's almost like a self-soothing thing where I, you know, I'm not going out and just pass pestering these people. Like, are you right. in? Are you in? Are you in? <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. Like work on a project, uh, take a course on a tool. You don't think, you know, you want to know better. Um, that's a good way to pass the time. And that's a lot of what I did. Uh, mm-hmm. Thankfully, okay. my husband work is in business and he's really good at going. You, you leave him alone. You, you don't need to email them again. Just leave him alone. <laughs> So. Okay, so speaking of tools, um, what's your level of SQL knowledge? I'm going to say intermediate. Okay. Are you going to be using SQL at this reporting annual shop? They asked about it in the interview, and they asked the same question. What's what's your level? How well do you know it? Uh, Ooh, so actually, let's role play that. How, <laughs> okay. How, yeah, I, I'm, I'm just curious like how you answered this. So, Abby, what's your level of SQL knowledge? Uh, I would say that my level is intermediate. I know all the aggregate functions. I can do window functions. I really like CTEs. Um, I'm also um, 
Oh gosh, too many ums. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> always. Uh, let's see. Well, yeah. I'm putting you on the spot. And this is different. <laughs> uh, actually, let me ask you this. Is is being on the podcast more or less anxiety inducing than an interview? I feel like it's less. Okay. Just because um, I've done mock interviews with you before. So right. I kind of had an idea of how you were going to ask questions or, <laughs> or that kind of thing. So. Well, I, I, I really made you sweat in the mock interview. Yeah. 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 <laughs> But the thing is, aren't you glad you went through that discomfort, though? Absolutely. It really helped. It did. <laughs> well, because I, I just, like, take you and I make you sit in that anxiety. And I'm like, we got to mm -hmm. we gotta work on this specific, mm -hmm. um, you know, especially, like, the, I think the open-ended questions are really where people struggle the most. Mm -hmm. To where, like, if, if I were to ask you technical questions about SQL, I'm sure you could just rattle off answers. Mm -hmm. um, did you – this is another question that um, Katie addressed on, I think it's the last episode with Hunter – um, like how, how do you go about handling questions that you don't know the answer to? Well, Katie's advice was excellent going, you know, I don't know that answer right now, but I'll find it out, find out and get back to you Yeah, and then make sure you email them for the end of the day. But thankfully they didn't ask anything. I didn't know, but I will, they did. Oh, this did happen. Let me tell you. <laughs> so we're in the interview and the guy who's going to be my boss is asking me questions. And he's like, so when you're not uh, working, what do you do? And like, to me, like, cause when he introduced himself, he said that he liked to play darts. So I thought maybe he's asking like what I do for fun. I was like, uh, I like to read and, we go to a lot of state parks and like hike and stuff with the kids. And I was just going on and on about how much, you know, uh, I enjoyed yeah. being outside with my kids. <laughs> he was like, no, I meant like at work, if you're not working on a project, what do you do? <laughs> okay. In yeah. your defense, that, that was an awkward way of learning that. Yeah. You know? but like I just, Oh, I died laughing. I was like, you let me ramble on about <laughs> walks and parks. <laughs> <laughs> that that is hilarious. So yeah, that, but I got the job, so you know maybe. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I think that people get so psyched out about how much do I know right now, mm -hmm. versus they're going like. I think the biggest factor is cultural fit. Like, do they like mm -hmm. this person? Because they're going to be working with them day in and day right. out, and also to ethics. Like, are you going to do? what you say you're going to do. Are you going to be honest? Um, right. Now, I, I guess as you get into more senior roles, I think the technical acumen aspect will be more important, but just right. breaking into the space, it's like the interview needs to be a lot more, I think, personable than a lot of people anticipate. Yeah. They, they just think I can just list off, you know, all these things, mm -hmm. all these certificates or courses I've taken. And it's like, I, I don't know. I mean, I, a lot of these, like one hour courses, I feel like they have almost no value in terms of helping you sell yourself in mm -hmm. an interview. Yeah. I would, I would agree with that. Definitely. Right. It's, <laughs> yeah. It's, it's more about, because this is interesting. Okay. I know that you've got a portfolio. I cannot remember the projects that you worked on. Did you, where did you get those projects from? Um, one is a personal project. It was my personal LinkedIn data. And I just did some, that. Did, did some Excel charts, nothing too fancy, cleaned it up a little, did some charts. Um, 
my tableau projects i think they're ones that one was a competition for data in motion and i think i ended up not even putting it in the competition but i got the data set from there worked on it in tableau um i can't remember where i got my power bi project but anyway was like it the erp data from my my classes it, it could be yeah okay and then uh i did some guided projects with alex freeberg on alex the analyst okay interesting because um, yeah. yeah i think did did they actually ask you in the interview to pull up your portfolio or did they take a look at it no they didn't even we didn't even have our cameras on interesting <laughs> Yeah, wow. like um, I had gotten ready, looked professional, had my camera on, and they're like, yeah, we don't really like cameras on. You don't have to have it on. We're not going to have ours <laughs> on. And so it was literally like a phone call. Interesting. And it was just that. So the two offers that you got two weeks ago, there was it wasn't even a three step process. It was just one. Was it was it a longer one? Was it an hour or three hours? Like how? No, um, with the company that I accepted, it was maybe about 45 minutes and wow. about 10 minutes of that was me asking them questions. Um, and then the other one that I had an offer from was literally 15 minutes on the phone. Wow. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Well, I wonder if, um, there's some social proof because you're referred from a recruiter. Maybe so. I mean, like, like yeah. that recruiter wouldn't work with you if they didn't feel like you would be a good analyst for an entry level right. role. Well, because their process was um, the recruiter puts my name in, and then they have an account manager for the business that they're working with, and that account manager has to approve me first before I can move on to interviewing with the company. So I guess if I've made it through the account manager, they kind of. Uh, Oh, also, so uh, Kalan, Kalandra is asking, are you, do you feel comfortable sharing this or not? Wait. Uh, the, um, oh, do you see in the chat here? It says, um, oh, okay. what company did you land the, the role at? Uh, Care Centrics. They're like um, a mid-sized home health company based out of uh, Connecticut. Um, and I think they have an office in Tampa, Florida. But um, they have been, they're solely remote-based. So all of the administration for this company is remote. And uh, yeah, like the people that interviewed me have been working with this company for at least a decade. So. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay, so it's, it's see, because what I'm a, I was a little bit worried about where it's like a, you know, a, a 15 minute call for an offer. It's like, is that a scam? It sounds like this is. No, that company is a really big company. I know uh, my husband uses it a lot for, for his work, like they order some stuff from them. Uh, so they were both fairly big companies. Gotcha. Yeah. All right. So Charles Ike wanted to ask, what kind of questions do you ask the company? Oh, let's see. Um, I asked them what the day-to-day -day was for the role. Mm -hmm. um, I asked them about how their data was stored and what kind of databases they have. Um, Those are great questions. I asked them. I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm so proud of you. This is awesome. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to remember. Like, I had a solid 10 minutes of questions for them. Um, Good. I think I asked about, like, 
um, kind of their, how their day went. Like, is it, I need to be in front of my computer all eight hours, uh, you know, tied to my desk. Yeah, like, are you on call or something? Right, right. Or right. is it, um, you know, get your work done, make it to your meetings and everything's fine. Um, those kind of questions. Yeah. Uh, so you're kind of asking about their culture. Mm -hmm. And I think that's important, important because you don't want to come off like, I don't care if it's, you know, a coal mine. I want it to be right. in there, you know, it's right, like, exactly. it's, you know, it's like, I just need it. You don't want to come off as desperate. You want to come off as like a little bit, you know, yeah. maybe not coy, but just like, <laughs> I'm not desperate. You know, I've yeah. got options. Yeah. And, and the truth is like, I need a job to fit into my life. I'm, I can't mm -hmm. uh, build my life around my job. I've already got, you know, three kids with soccer and right. art and all that kind of stuff. I've, I've got to be able to, to do those things too. Gotcha. All right, Abby, we're coming into right about the hour mark. Wow. So just any last words? Like, are there any ideas or advice that's coming to mind for the, uh, the listeners who are still tuned in? Yeah. Katie's advice. Um, if you have used those tools, you're an analyst. So put that on your LinkedIn. Don't put aspiring. Don't just list a bunch of tools that you know. Just say, I am a data analyst. So I think that mindset is is really helpful. And you literally are a data analyst starting on Monday. I am. So I'm so happy for you. And I, I want to know kind of how this how this goes. So maybe we'll have you on in six months to a year. It's okay. like a, a follow-up. Yeah. And who knows, maybe if it's a year, maybe you'll, you know, have a promotion yeah. or something like that. Yeah, I plan on fitting grad school in there somewhere. So Ooh, very nice. Yeah. All right. Well, Abby, thank you so much for being on. And uh thanks everybody in the chat for all your great great questions. You yeah. guys have a good one. Thanks See for ya. having me. Bye. Hey, I hope you really enjoyed this episode. I'm curious, were there any valuable insights or lessons that you learned? One thing that could hugely help us out is if you just took 30 seconds and left us a review with a little blurb about what you learned. Thank you so much for your time and attention, and I hope you enjoy the rest of your day.